In the current wave of sanctions, Russian and Russian-associated artists around the world have jumped or been pushed from the stage, from Putin's close friend, conductor Valery Gergiev, to mezzo-soprano and separatist cheerleader Anna Netrebko, from opera and ballet companies such as the Royal Moscow Ballet, whose Irish tour has been shelved, to the doors of the Russian pavilion, which will remain shut at this year's Venice Biennale. And that's not even to mention the cancellation of the Russian contract to that long-standing cultural proxy war, the Eurovision Song Contest. Culture file asked the Irish Times media columnist Laura Slattery, is our moment the apotheosis of cancel culture or something deeper? There is a huge temptation to link this with the, the sort of the talk about cancel culture that we've seen in recent years. But if we look at history, we know that there's always been um, a record of, of public fascination, shall we say, with the, the culture of our allies, whether they're our official allies or our unofficial allies. And at the same time, there's been this opprobrium against uh, representations of culture from those, you know, we're at war with. I mean, I think this really, for me, has uh, reminded me of, of some of the things that happened um, during the Second World War in relation to German composers whose, whose works, you know, suddenly fell out of favour. They may themselves have been, you know, dead by the time Hitler rolled into Eastern Europe, but they weren't immune to, you know, being 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 censored in effect. Um, at the BBC, for example, the work of Wagner and Richard Strauss was, was very much um, off the agenda and, you know, bands at the time were, were, were not encouraged to perform those works and at the same time there was a raft of commissions from, from British composers and during the phase in fact when Stalin's Russia was the, the sole force fending off uh, Nazi Germany uh, late 1941, very early 1942. There was a kind of a fascination with Soviet culture of the time, songs like um, Russian Rose, which was a contemporary song written by Huey Charles, also known for patriotic things like uh, We'll Meet Again. Shifting sheet music sales very fast at, at the shops. So we're now in a situation where our fascination is with Ukrainian culture, and, and in particular because of this unusual um, backstory um, of the uh, Ukrainian president being an actor and comedian and having appeared in, in a, a political satire called uh, Servant of the People. It's, it's quite watchable, actually, isn't it? It is. It's quite good. It's quite sharp. And there are some jokes, I think, that are aimed, you know, at, at Ukrainian people but there's but there's also many things in it that are common to all political cultures including i suppose the shallowness and the superficiality of uh, promoting yourself as, as a politician it also underlines that the the centrality of culture to this dispute this particular role of zelensky makes us um more aware than we might ordinarily be the role that the culture we consume has in this conflict. Yes, because I think uh, Zelensky has proven to be a brilliant communicator, as you might expect with somebody with his uh, CV, and that is actually genuinely helping the Ukrainian resistance. And it's personalising it for people as well. I think, the, you know, proximity, you know, we might feel uncomfortable about this, but, but proximity always uh, helps with uh, empathy. The converse of that, where you're banning things and boycotting things and censoring things. Uh, it is a sensitive issue because you, you might say that that's not a, a healthy path to go down. 
and there's all kinds of conversations about plurality and uh, media freedom, general freedom of expression. That the counter argument to that at the moment is just that exceptional times are lead to these kind of exceptional measures. In this current conflict, there's been a, a fair amount of cancellations and sometimes bans and sometimes boycotts. Are they people who are taking the hit in the cultural sector? Are they associated with Putin? This is a thing that's very um, difficult to ascertain in some cases. I think there are obviously some clear-cut cases as well. There's the case, the case of the, the conductor uh, Valery uh, Gergiev, who was uh, let go by the Munich uh, Philharmonic, and I don't previously had some uh, performances uh, cancelled at uh, Carnegie Hall in New York. Um, he's a friend, you know, as, as they put it, of Putin. He's a, a long supporter of him. And, you know, the, in some cases, there was an opportunity given to him to, to, to retract his stance and, and he, didn't, he didn't take it. There are some people who would say that's where this should end. You know, this should really be limited to people who, who work for the regime directly. I think the problem is it's very difficult sometimes in the cultural world to ascertain the degree of funding, shall we say, and endorsement that comes uh, from the Russian state. A a lot of it is uh, state-sponsored. So, you know, there's, there's a debate about whether that should make a difference with the ballet companies. You know, some of them are state ballet companies and some of them are privately funded. But what does privately funded mean in the context of Russia? Because there's so many Russian oligarchs. We're at the stage now where oligarchs and and, and others, I suppose, extremely rich, wealthy Russian business people are having their assets frozen. So it does seem like decisions like cancelling ballet performances don't seem like outliers quite so much, whereas they might have done a few days ago, notwithstanding, I think, that there were some very good statements um, making clear that, you know, that, that, that those measures uh, were not a verdict on any of the individual members of, of those ballet companies. At the same time, I think we have to respect where calls are made from within Ukraine uh, for these um, sorts of actions to be taken. And we, of course, we've seen that in the past in in, in other um, parts of the world where people have responded, for example, to the, to the boycott, uh, disinvestment and sanctions movement in, in Palestine. And, um, you know, the author Sally Rooney was praised by many and, uh, and criticized by others for her stance on that. And this is something that we see time and time again um, with different conflicts and different regimes. Um, people might argue on a case-by-case basis that this one is wrong, this one is right, this one has gone too far, or, or, or conversely, you didn't move fast enough to distance yourself from, from that person. I think the other really important thing and interesting thing about this particular crisis is that there are many uh, Russian celebrities, both you know from from culture and and sport, who have um, spoken out about the Russian invasion of Ukraine. You know, it, it, it's it's funny really to concentrate on pop stars in the West, shall we say, who are cancelling now their tours in Russia. But there are also pop stars and, and rappers in Russia who say now that they won't tour Russia at home. That in itself is, is, is a signal that this is not um, business as usual. It's not show business as usual.
I was talking there to Laura Slattery, media columnist with the Irish Times. And if you'd like to hear a longer version of that conversation, tune in to the Culture File Weekly, Saturday 6.30pm here on RTE Lyric FM and, of course, available via all your favourite podcast places.